Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Good morning. It's good to see each of you this morning. Thank you for coming out, even though it's a little misty and rainy and everything, but I think the weather looks great for the next couple of weeks. How many of you are enjoying the fall weather? I know I am. Awesome. I am so glad you are here. And if you are here all the time, welcome back today. If you're here for your first time, thank you for coming. The building did not fall in, right? Right? You did not need a hard hat, right? Is that cool or what? So anyway, so thankful that you are here in the auditorium. Let's give some love to those that's watching on the other side of that camera. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in from all over the world. So we have been in a series of messages called chaos. And when you think about chaos, that means confusion. That means disorder. And I think all of you will agree with me. And would you lift your hand and say there's a lot of confusion, a lot of disorder going on right now in our world. I think we all are on, on the same page with that. So this week is the final installment of what I'm going to be talking about there. So if you would, if you'd like to pull up the notes on the app, just go and pull up the app. The notes will be on there and the scriptures I'm going to use today. If you've never downloaded our app, and you have a smart device, just go to the app store, type in Freedom Church Gallatin, and you can download it there. A lot of other cool stuff that you can use the app for to be informed and things like that. So with that being said, today uh, I want to share with you, I remember when I was little and uh, I got a globe for Christmas one year. And I just thought it was the coolest thing because I began to look across the globe and I began to think, okay, I live here. And then I would spin it around and I would look over here to the other parts of the world and I thought, wow, that is a long ways away, you know? How many of you ever got a globe when you were a child, maybe for Christmas? It was really cool for you to, especially to learn geography and learn what was going on and see the other countries and, and all the different continents. Anyone want to come up here and name all the continents for me? So, anybody? No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so with that being said, I just knew that I lived right here and I remember looking at it specifically and I just seen how big the world was. Well, you know, I got to thinking about the world as it spins on its axis every day that there's never been in my lifetime and most likely everyone here, there has never been a pandemic that has affected the entire globe like COVID-19. Would you agree with me on that? Nothing has ever affected the world like that, like this worldwide virus. It is on everybody's hearts and everybody's mind, and it's still going on. And, you know, I began to think about that. And then I began to think also there's never been anything that's affected the world like sin that runs rampant. As you look at the world, sin is everywhere. And I thought, too, I thought, well, there's got to be a warning, a worldwide warning that God is trying to tell us as we're passing through this world, right? Because we're not just here taking up space. We're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. God has a plan. God has that for every individual that is born. He has a plan for your life. He ordered your steps before you are ever born as you walk on this globe, as you live out your life. 
And so I think as we think about this world being in chaos, he got it right here in the worldwide warning when he said, and John, John being John uh, the disciple, not John the Baptist, don't get them mixed up. There's a difference between the two. But John the disciple, the one that Jesus, uh, that he often referred to, the one that he loved, John wrote the, John's gospel in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, as well as John the Revelator. And so, with John in these writings, he said this in 1st John chapter 2, beginning with verse 7, beginning with verse 15 through 17. It says, do not love the world. Now, some people say, well, I thought God created it, Pastor. I thought God created the world. And yes, he did create the world. But Let's go on and let's see what he's talking about when he says, do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Let that resonate for a moment. If you love the world, then you do not have the love of the Father in you. What is he saying? We've got to love, we've got to be careful that we get caught up in loving this world because when we love this world, in turn, really, we're hating God because we're just passing through the world. The world is not our home. This is not our final destination. We're just passing through. This is the preparation ground for the hereafter. That's what it is. He goes on to say, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I think you'll all agree with me that this world bears the bloody painful scars and painful things of conflict and of chaos, especially when we think about what's happened, happened over this current year in 2020, especially when it comes to the, the worldwide effect of a pandemic called COVID-19. Not only that, but how it's affected people and it's had a, a tumbling effect, a domino effect in people's lives to where it's shattered lives, to where that it has broken up homes, to where that suicide is running rampant over 600% higher than it was a year before. When we look at rape and we look at abuse and we look at sex trafficking, and we look at war among nations, we look at immorality in general for what it's doing of every kind. There are Christians today that don't even realize the effects of this chaotic world. In retrospects, there are Christians as well, though, others that see the battle that is taking place. And I hope and pray that you will be wise in that. Jesus said, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. And so, these people that see the battle scars, you can end up as a Christian getting very discouraged. You can be a person that's going to get depressed. You can get downtrodden. You can get to a point to where that you feel really defeated in your life. There is marital and family chaos going on everywhere all the time. There is separation. There is divorce. There is abuse and there's all kinds of battle scars that people are being affected by. I don't know about you, but how many of you here use computers? Raise your hand, use computers. Yes, I remember some years ago that I had uh, this particular laptop that I had and, and I went to turn it on. And when I did, it went absolutely haywire. It crashed on me. How many of you have ever had a virus come into your computer and it goes haywire and crashes and you lose stuff? 
Yes, that was me. I was so ticked off at that moment because I thought, who does such a thing to create a virus? I'm thinking these guys sitting in these dark rooms with a hoodie on, sitting in front of a thing. And <laughs> Let me fix them. You know, I'm just thinking about these guys doing these things or girls, whoever they are. And they're creating these viruses and making us lose our information. And you know what? When I logged on to the World Wide Web, my operating system was not designed to handle those viruses that came into it. So when I logged in, I lost most everything that I had and all the work that I'd performed. And that's a very debilitating moment for anyone when you lose everything you've been working very hard on. When you look at the world that we live in, there's three particular viruses that is debilitating. And that's exactly what John is talking about. The three viruses is number one, it's the world. You know, the world is controlled by the evil one. What's holding it together is the power of the Holy Spirit. And it comes down to a choice. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to serve? And he says this in John 3 and 19, it gets, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. When you look at the original writing of the Bible, and you look at the original writing for what the Greek word is for world, it's called cosmos, which means an order or an arrangement of things. Interestingly enough, this is where that we get our word cosmetics. Now, let me ask this question. In the last month, how many of you ladies here have bought cosmetics just in the last month? Raise your hand. It's okay. I'm not going to call you out or anything. Yeah, you've bought cosmetics. I, now, and now, how many of you men here that are married know that your wife uses cosmetics, right? I mean, to the nth degree, they use cosmetics. I had, a, I had a friend of mine said, he said, well, they need to use cosmetic. He said, every old barn needs a new coat of paint. And I thought, well, I'm not really don't need to say that. You know what I'm saying? Not cool. But anyway, I grew up with not only my wife that uses cosmetics, but three daughters that uses cosmetics. And the order and arrangement for what they use them and lay them out is so confusing. It is so confusing. And I remember them being there and I thought, man, if I had only took and bought stock in the cosmetic industry when my girls were first born, man, I would be well off now because they used all these cosmetics. But the order and arrangement for what they use them, it just blows my ever-loving mind. Go back to the word cosmos. Once again, it's the arrangement or the order of things in this world, but yet that which is hostile to God. You see, there's a system of ideas, there's a system of activities and people who are in active rebellion against God in the cosmos. Would you agree with that? Say yes. They're an active, active rebellion against God. And, and a lot of times I, I grew up in an atmosphere to where that people would say, well, that's worldly. How many of you ever heard that before? From a good old Christians, they'd say, that's worldly. Well, what really is worldly when you think about worldly? What constitutes worldliness? Some people define worldliness as, as for a Christian that's based on a set of do's and a set of don'ts that Christians do and what Christians don't. Some people that are Christians today, they're getting mixed up between what is religion and what is relationship. What is religion and what is relationship? They're very legalistic. They're very judgmental. They're very unloving God followers. I've even known people before that they really do have a list of do's and don'ts because I grew up in a religious atmosphere. I grew up in a Baptist church. How many of you grew up in a Baptist church? Anybody? Yes. I grew up in a Baptist church where those Baptist Christians, man, they were devil stomping, sin hating, door knocking, pew jumping Christians. And they love Jesus. And that lets you know it. 
you know, and so how I grew up and I watched them grow up and, and, and I think there was a disconnect between religion and relationship. Because you, know you know what made you a good Christian in the Baptist church? You were at church three times a week. Yes, you were. Listen, if you loved your church, you were there on Sunday morning. If you loved the pastor, you would be there back on Sunday night. If you really loved Jesus, you'd be a Wednesday night Bible study. Can I get a witness in the house today? Yeah. Anyway. But I remember growing up, and I remember very vividly seeing religious things about the church. Oh, my goodness. I remember standing as a little boy, looking at them arguing when pantsuits come into church. Pantsuits come into church. And I thought, oh, my goodness, pantsuits come into church. The way they're arguing about it, Jesus must be coming back. It must be going to be the rapture because women started wearing pantsuits in the church. Yeah, I remember that vividly. I remember when... Dairy Queen opened its doors on Sunday in Portland. It, I knew that the world was coming to an end because Dairy Queen opened up after lunch on Sunday when it used to be everything was closed. I just knew the world was coming to an end. We're getting worldly. We're getting worldly. Fast forward all these years. When you look at the world, is it worldly? Is it religious? Is there truly a relationship with God's Son? See, when it comes to religious things, we often try to impress people. And God says, <laughs> you're not impressing me with your religious acts, with your religious do's and don'ts. One of the viruses is the world. The other one is the flesh. When you think about this physical life that we live in, people often think in the, and they limit their thinking to this external behavior, people we associate with, places that we go, and activities that we enjoy. But Christianity, when it comes to being Christianity, we as the Word and we look at it, it does not teach that the body is evil, but that it can be used for evil things. Yes, we are tend and bent towards sin, but understand the Scriptures teaching us that we can move and be bent toward evil because we are born into sin. And until we have a Savior that takes care of the sin and we have the Holy Spirit to lead us in our lives, we end up being people that can be used for evil. That's what I'm talking about. Look at 1 John 2 and 16. It says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. In your life you're living right now, you're going to live on one of three different levels. A lot of people, they live in survival mode. And you say, what do you mean by that? They're just people that's just getting by. They're just not really living. They're just kind of people that are just existing. They go to work and, and go to work day after day. And they live for the weekends. They have no major goals whatsoever. And they have no major drive. They just simply survive and get by. There's another level that many people live at, especially in our nation. It is the success level. And probably that's where probably most of you here under the sound of my voice are at today. And you probably have this world where that you think, you know, life's not too bad. I'm doing pretty good. But I'll tell you what about the world. The world would love to have your problems. When you're looking to be able to, thinking about paying your mortgage, other people are looking to be able to just get another meal. Comfortable lifestyle, certain level of success. And. Your needs are met. You have a home. 
You can go eat Baskin Robbins ice cream and you can go to Starbucks. You know why they call it Starbucks? Because you're the star that's bringing them bucks. You are. Because when you walk in the door, it's five bucks, people, for a latte. Come on now. You're the star when you walk in the door because they're getting your bucks that you can afford to pay. Five bucks even for a coffee. See, success never ultimately satisfies, though. Many people have written self-help books, and they're not really getting a lot of help at all when it comes to success. But you got to be able to go to the ultimate level. That's significance. You say, what do you mean significance? When you have the level of significance, you know why you're here on earth. You know why you're breathing. You know why that you are having this life that God has given you, that you live with purpose and you live with anticipation to be able to live out what God wants you to do. And you know that your life matters and every step that you have is ordered by God and what he wants you to do in this life. It's so important that you understand that. That you go to the success, be significant in your life. Because this world's about cravings. It is. I mean, how, how many of you know this world is about cravings? I mean, it's like this over here. Check this out. You know, man, I tell you what, when I am preparing my messages, this right here is staring me in the face. Yes, it is. You know what these are? These right here are dark chocolate covered coffee beans. So when I'm preparing my messages and I'm in the morning, I'm in the heat of the moment and I'm having a moment with the Holy Spirit all of a sudden, (laughs) there they are. They're staring at me over here on my shelf. And I'm thinking, Lord, what do I do? I have to go over there and get me some of these coffee beans because I'm thinking, Lord, I need the Holy Spirit, but I need some coffee beans. Lord, I need the Holy Spirit. I need some coffee. And so, man, I get in there and I get them out and man, I'm telling you what, Mmm. Mmm. Just give me a moment. Man. I'm telling you right now, people say, you shouldn't be eating that chocolate. Let me tell you something before you judge me. Chocolate is a vegetable. (laughs) Don't judge me. This is a non-judgment zone. My teeth's going to turn black so you get to look at them. Chocolate comes from a cocoa bean. So that's a vegetable. Can I get a witness today? Right? How many of you here would like to have some of these? Like to have some of these here? Anybody want some of these? Anybody want some, want some chocolate covered coffee beans? Anybody? Anybody want some? Well, you can't have none. I'm too selfish to give them to you. Besides that, I got water and you don't. And you're not getting up if you took some and go out because I'm going to call you out like a comedian does. Anyway. I'll put these back over here. Now, the rest of you are going to be looking at this, wanting some of those the rest of the time because I pointed them out. Don't you be looking this direction, okay? <laughs> but there's a lot of things that brings cravings in the world. And how you master and how you bring about what you see and what you touch and what you feel and all that is very important. There's craving of pleasures in this world. Pleasures is something that we all want to enjoy. That is that physical pleasure that you want to enjoy in your life. That was what you would call the lust of the flesh. And we get preoccupied a lot of times if you're not careful by gratifying the lust of the flesh, the physical desires. And if you want to understand, Paul wrote to the church of Galatia. And and in chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, he gives a detailed list of the very things that will keep you out of heaven. 
You might want to write that down and go there and see, am I, being, am I gratifying any of these things? Am I getting caught up in any of these things? Something else is craving possessions. Craving everything that we see, that would be the lust of the eyes. That would be coveting. That is accumulating stuff so that when you die, those that dies with the most toys still dies, right? You leave it for your family to fight over. And if you're not careful, in this world, we see a lot of great stuff. And there's nothing wrong with having possessions. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. But is it controlling you? And is it pulling you in a direction that pulls you away from your relationship with God? That's the whole point of that. Are you getting to the point that you're bowing to the God of materialism? Because a lot of people do that. Something else, not only craving those, uh, those kind of things like that for possession, is craving prestige. A lot of people get caught up in that. They get caught up in the fact of having pride for their achievements and pride of their possessions. And you got to be real careful that you don't danks on that when it calls the pride of life. A lot of people get caught up because they want to have their career. They want to have their name. <laughs> I remember someone that worked at our church a long time ago, and we always wondered why they signed their name like they did, and they put this little thing at the end. It's because they were so proud, and they were prideful of that achievement. And it wasn't good, and they're not here any longer because they were all about themselves, you see. And when you think about People get caught up in what car they're going to drive. They get caught up in what zip code they're going to live in. People get caught up in what club that you belong to and how that you're obsessed with your own status. You're obsessed with your importance. You got to be careful about the cravings. There's nothing wrong with craving anything, whether it's pleasures, whether it's possessions, or whether it's prestige. The question is, are you craving God more then you're craving those things. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? You're craving God. God wants to bless you. He wants to fulfill the desires of your heart, but He doesn't want you to crave the things that's going to take you away from the relationship that you have with Him. It's so important that you understand that today. Now, so we got the world, we got the flesh. One more thing is the devil. 1 John 5 and 19 says, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. How many of you would agree with me that the world is under control of the evil one? Would you raise your hand? Yes, the power of the Holy Spirit is what's keeping it together. It's just not completely falling apart. And so, Christians have the freedom to obey God in their lives and the rest of humanity. In the world, though, when it comes to the world, unless they come, listen to me, unless they come to faith in Jesus Christ, they have no choice, listen to me, but to obey Satan as they're in this world. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? There's no middle ground. You either belong to God and you worship Him, or you're worshiping the devil himself. And some of you are thinking, that's pretty strong accusations, isn't it, Pastor? You're being judged. No, no, no. I'm telling you right now, you're either worshiping God or you're indirectly a devil worshiper because there's no middle ground with that. And I want you to understand that. You're either living under the control and leadership of the Holy Spirit of God or you're living under the devil's control. There's no middle ground. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're blind. They don't believe, don't want to believe. A lot of them are in that situation. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. See, that's what Satan is continually doing. He's working to be able to deceive and blind the eyes of every person that he can. Think about the traps that he sets on any given day with people in their lives. You get up in the morning and you're grumpy at the, at the, at the breakfast table and you, maybe you didn't sleep good that night. You have a spirit and a temptation of unkindness. In your life, maybe it's a situation where that you've got a newborn baby and you're trying and you're begin arguing over who's going to change a baby this time because they ate 
something and they've got a digestive system and it's just coming out yelling and running. You're tired of doing it. So you're arguing and you're tempted to have where the enemy tells you to be selfish. Or maybe you're with a new coworker and you're trying to be the one in your company, you're onboarding them, but they just ain't quite getting it and you lose your impatience with that person. Is that not the enemy coming at you and doing something like that? Maybe you're flirting with a pretty girl or you're looking at a handsome guy. The issue is that it's lust and you're married. Maybe it's a situation where that you are having a person that you're refusing to speak to because they've hurt you. You're living in spite, which is sinful. Maybe it's a situation on a given day where that you're repeating a juicy story of the unfortunate situation of a neighbor, but yet you're telling about it and you're gossiping, which is sin. Maybe it's a situation where you're lying awake at night and you're thinking ungodly thoughts, something that would be impure. Maybe you're taking your anger out on your children after a hard day and you're having a, you're competing the sin of cruelty. It's not their fault. Maybe it's a situation where that you're firing off an ugly text message to a friend who hurt you because you've got to try to get them back and be revengeful. I could go on and on and on. But do you understand why the world is the way it is? Because of Satan's antics and what he's doing. The devil's going to do everything he can do to try to steal, kill, and destroy your life and mine. And it's just like the old rock group, Molly Hatchet. How many of you know of Molly Hatchet? I'm traveling down the road, I'm flirting with disaster. That's how you kind of sing, you know. I don't know if you remember that. But that's what's happening. People are traveling down the road in life and they're flirting with disaster. And that's why people are getting so caught up in the antics and the sinfulness of the devil that's pulling at them and shooting at them every shape, form, and fashion. It starts out of the womb. It's like a little girl, she's four-year-old, and mom told her, said, you can't have the cookies in the kitchen. We're going to eat dinner here in a few moments. Next thing you know, she comes in the kitchen, and she's standing up on a chair, and she's got a cookie in her mouth. She said, oh, mom, I just climbed up here to smell of them, and they got caught in my teeth. <laughs> it starts really young, doesn't it? We go against that which we know. And when we act out in disobedience, we're acting in obedience against God and His Word in our lives. So I told you about my laptop that crashed on me. And, and uh, so anyway, when I went to get one, somebody said, get a Mac. I said, why? Because they don't crash. They don't get viruses. And I said, really? And I said, that's cool. So I got a Mac and I never went back, okay? That's what it is. I haven't had a virus since. And you know what I think? I think there are people in the Macintosh industry, they make those viruses to make your PC crash. That's what I think is happening. That's just me. That's just my personal opinion. That's not anything biblical. It has nothing to do with the message. That's just me. But I, I got a Mac and I never went back. And it almost reminds me of what we can do in this life as we live as God's antivirus. Look at Romans 8 and 31 in the last part of that verse. It says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? If God is for you and God is for me, who can ever be against us? And when we get on God's side and we begin to live for Him, we begin to seek Him, we want a relationship with Him. We're not about living in religious rules, we're living in a relationship with God. That's what makes all the difference. You have the, the freedom is not, listen to me, freedom is not to do what you want, it is the power to do what you ought. That's what freedom is. And when the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. So God's antivirus sent this, it's the love of the Father. You say, what do you mean? Look at 1 John 3 and 1. It says, see how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world, 
don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Because they don't know Him. See, a lot of people are walking on this world and they're trying to get self-worth, but self-worth doesn't come in the form for what people are taught in the world. Self-worth can only come through our Heavenly Father. And if you want to honor God and please Him, then you can experience what it is to have worth in Christ. And that's when you understand that you're really special. Look at the person next to you and tell them, you're special. <laughs> and some of you are thinking, that's not what you said earlier. But look back to others and say, yeah, uh, you're, yeah, I'm special and you're special too. Tell them they're special too. Because they are. You're made in the likeness. You're made in the image of our great, great God. And if, if you love God, listen, if you love God, you're going to pray more. If you love God, you're going to read the Word of God more. If you love God, you're going to serve more. If you love God, you're going to be able to give more. But listen, if you're not in that special relationship, and if you really don't understand how much God loves you, and you haven't entered into the relationship with God, listen, praying's going to bother you, reading the Bible's going to bother you, going to church is going to bother you, writing a check out or giving online for tithes and offerings is going to bother you, doing something for somebody else. That's going to bother you until you're in that right relationship to figure out that it's not about me, it's all about understanding spiritual maturity, which is being others-centered. So, you got to be really, really careful about focusing on this present world more than you do the God who truly loves you and loves you with everything more than you could ever imagine. But not only that, another antivirus is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, you and the devil, when you have him coming at you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit leading you, you are no match for the enemy. Listen to me. Listen to me closely. Let this resonate with your spirit. Take this into your heart. You are no match for the enemy. But once again, when you become a child of God, you are born again. You've had your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have the Holy Spirit at that moment. The Holy Spirit and you are no match for the enemy. You can take him out. You can tell him to go back to hell where he's going to spend eternity. He has no right to come at you because you and God are the majority and always know that. So many people don't realize the power of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, as I mentioned earlier in verse 16, it says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let me ask you something. What's guiding your life? What's guiding your life? Is it possessions, prestige? You know, is it any of those kind of things? Is that what's guiding your life? Or is the Holy Spirit guiding your life and you get to enjoy the blessings God has given you because you know where all good things come. All good things comes down from the Father of lights. All good gifts do. It's that important that we understand that. Don't confuse your feelings with the Holy Spirit's leading. Don't do that. You'll get yourself in a mess. The power of God's Spirit will lead you to live a holy life. The power of the Holy Spirit will lead you to, to be able to live a righteous life. Righteousness means a right relationship with God. You're led through the power of the Holy Spirit. You've always seen the old, um, the old illustration with the, you got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, and they're whispering into your ear. I think you have to understand that that in, in essence is a true illustration. 
But here's what I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit is referenced to being the Greek word paraclete, which means come alongside of you. And when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life through your relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will come along beside you and help you to be able to navigate a world that is not on your side. And you will be a person with God that in your believer's walk that you can be not a person that's living in survival mode, not a person that's living in success mode, but you're a person through when the Holy Spirit comes along beside of you, you're living in significance. You know why you're here. You know why God placed you on the earth. You know why God is having you live right here in this county. You understand that maybe for the first time in your life. And when you live each day living and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the words of Christ and His Word will be in your heart and be in your mind. The love of Christ will be behind all of the actions for which you do in a given day. And the power of Christ is going to help you to be able to overcome those things that are selfish desires that could take you away from relationship with God and get caught up living in a world that is bent and under the control of Satan. So not only the love of the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit, but is my relationship and your relationship with God's Son. Just think about Jesus. Plan from always has been that he would come here, come down the stairway of heaven. He would put on skin and he would be tempted in all ways that you and I are tempted, but yet he never sinned. He never sinned to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. He was victorious in that coming here to become sin for you and me. It says in 1 John 4, beginning at verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. You know why I said we might have? Because it's your choice. You have free will. You can do what you want to, when you want to, how you want to, and who you want to with. It's up to you. He's not going to make you come to his son. He's not going to ask you to be able to pray the prayer of faith. He's going to convict you in your sins. And hopefully you will see the need to pray the prayer of faith and give him your heart and in your life. And he says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Wow, to love each other. You know how you'll know that the real love relationship that you have with Jesus Christ has truly infected your lives? It's how that you love others when you call Jesus Lord. When you see other people, you are graciously loving them, not judging them. You see other people, you're thanking God, you're being grateful to God in the good times. You're being grateful to God, especially in the bad times. And you're being generous by giving beyond reason as God has blessed you in your life and every facet of your life. So think about it. No matter where you are in this life, here's what I want to tell you. God loves you right now in this moment. No matter where you're at in life, no matter where you would say between a scale of zero to 10 and your relationship with God, I want you to know that God loves you right now. And he wants to give you the power to be able to live a great life right now. And most of all, he wants you to have that relationship with his son right now and from this moment forward. Some people think, you know, it's been a tough, tough year, Pastor. 
Ditto. It's been so tough. And some of you right now, you probably haven't had peace in a long time. Because it's been chaotic. Some of you have dealt with financial issues due to job loss. Some of you have dealt with relational issues because of spending so much time together and not used to doing that. Some of you have had issues when it comes to your children and where they're at and what's going on and school systems and all that. Some of you, no doubt, in a crowd of people this size or those watching online, somebody lost a loved one to this terrible, terrible thing called COVID-19. The list goes on and on. So how do you have peace in a world that we're just passing through? How's that happen? James 4 says this, beginning with verse 7, we need to humble ourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Humble yourselves before God. It means you're going to commit your life to God and say, God, I'm going to give you full control. I'm not going to be a person that's going to be pulled away into religious things. I'm going to be a person that wants to live in a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. I want to be a person that's led through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that God loves me because he gave his only son so that whoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. You've got to resist the devil, it says here. You got to resist and not allow Satan to entice you anymore. You've got to call out on God when you see the things or you feel the things or things are coming at you that's tempting you that you know that is sin. You've got to ask and call on to God. And when you do mess up and when you do sin and you do miss the mark, it says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. We need to get beyond being people that are offended because we're called sinners. We are sinners. That means we miss the mark at times. But we call on Almighty God and say, God, I want a pure heart. I want a pure mind. I want to be cleansed of my sins. I want to replace the desires of sin for the desire to experience God's purity in my life. I want to live victorious in Jesus. I don't want to be a victim of Satan. I want to be one that's going to be able to live and be able to know that I'm going to be a light in this world. I'm going to humble myself. Let there be deep grief, it says, and sorrow that is for your sins. We need to be able to be afraid and not be afraid to express that deep sorrow that we messed up. It's okay to say I messed up, but I'm better because of it, because I've done wrong, but God is going to help me get back right in the right relationship with him. Then you can be what Jesus says about you. Look what he says. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The only thing we can take into eternity, listen to me, please. The only thing we can take into eternity is what you and I give away here and now. Just give it away. Give it away. I want to ask you this. As we all live in this world, 
what will you do today to make your future better as you live with God and for God in this world? What will you do today to make your future better with God and for God today? Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we love you so much and we praise you so much and we honor you so much, God, today. God, it's just so humbling for me, God, to stand on this platform and share you and your word and where we're at in this life, God. We're all humans with a soul that has a destiny. And God, that destiny can be sealed, God, with you, Father, as we call upon your name. And God, I pray, God, for those here, God, that are Christ followers that have allowed the enemy to come in and hit them through the world, the flesh, and the devil. I pray, God, for each one right now, God, that we all will humble ourselves and resist the enemy, and he flees from us. That we'll ask you, God, to purify our hearts, find us faithful, lead us through the power of your spirit to resist the enemy and be a light in a world to others who need you, Jesus. I pray your richest blessings on every life under the sound of my voice. And I pray, precious Father, that no matter where they're at, God, in their relationship with you, I pray that it will be closer right now than they've ever been because of what they decide to do in their future with you. As we pray right now and as we're seeking God in these precious moments, how many of you here would just be honest enough just to lift your hand and say, there's some things I need to do with God so my future is better with him and for him. Would you just lift your hand real high? There's some things I need to do. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your vulnerability. Would you pray to him and say, God, whatever those things are between you and him, say, God, I want to be better for you. I want to be better with you, Father. For sin in your life, humble yourself before him and tell him to purify me, God. Forgive me, God. I want to be strengthened in you to God. I want to be holy because you're holy. I want to live righteous and I want to be in that right relationship with you, God, today. Find me faithful, God, not only loving you, but loving others. Bless them, Father. I believe in a crowd of people this size or those of you that might be watching on the other side of the lens of that camera from somewhere, somewhere in this great big world that if you've never given your life to Christ, it is the single most greatest decision you're ever gonna make because your decision determines your destiny. And if you feel that conviction in your heart right now, as James said here, let there be tears for what you have done. Don't be divided in your loyalty between God and this world. Let there be sorrow and deep grief and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. Tell him, say, Lord, I need you today. 
See, Jesus came to be your perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins. So if you'll call on one day and say, Lord, I am a sinner and I need you as my Savior. Forgive me. Transform me. I don't want to live my life the way I've lived my life in the world any longer. I want to live my life for you. So tell him, say, Lord, I surrender my life to you today. And tell him, say, Lord, save me. My life is yours. Now, if you've prayed that on the other side of that camera somewhere, let us know that. We'll follow up with you. Just fill out the connection card that's on there. They'll do that. Those of you here in this audience, please let us know that. You can do something just as simple as take a card out of the back of the seat and say, I gave my life to Christ today. I gave my life to Christ today. Drop it in the offering bucket on your way out. We'll follow up with you because your next step is what's in critical. This is not the completion of the race. You just started it. We're going to be here with you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to be there for you. Your next step is baptism. So we'd love to tell you about that. We love you so much, Father, and we praise you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for the opportunity to live in a holy relationship with you. Use us for your glory, God, to be a light in the world for you. In Jesus' name. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week. Hello, Pastor Jim here.